0: Charles Spurgeon once said, keep your eyes simply on Jesus. When we do, we don't see obstacles, we see God, the one who makes our way clear. And uh, as we all know, we have been going through difficult times. Many hearts are filled with fearfulness and fearfulness. If there's one thing that we need to learn, that is to keep our eyes, our focus on Jesus. If you've ever been to the optometrist and they sit you in front of that little gizmo and he is behind there and he turns the knobs and as you're looking into those uh, places for your eyes to look, uh, he'll turn the knob one way and everything's out of focus turns it back the other way, and everything comes into focus. Well, you know, this is what I want to share about this morning, is being, having our eyes focused on Jesus, focused, not when everything is blurry and everything is uh, unclear, but I want to share on being focused, and our vision is cloudy until we do turn our eyes to Jesus, I'd like to read a couple of scriptures found in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to just move this back a little bit. Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, Seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of god father this morning we thank you for your word we thank you that we can turn our eyes upon you and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will direct us you will keep us you will walk with us each day may our may these words that i speak be spoken with clarity and bring understanding into our hearts, in Jesus' name, Amen. If you notice the beginning word of this chapter, it starts with "wherefore" or "therefore," and uh, when we when we see this word, we look that causes us to look back to see what foundation has been laid. In the previous verses, that leads us to this conclusion that we see here. And as we look back, we see that preceding this chapter is chapter 10 and 11. And uh, we have such an abundance of examples here of people who lived lives of faith. We do have a a heritage of faith and God's faithfulness. I really appreciated the songs, the choruses that were sung this morning about God is so faithful. When we stop to ponder how God has been at work in our lives, in our families, God is so faithful. And we do have a heritage of faith and God's faithfulness. And it talks here about a cloud of witnesses. These are the people that are described in chapter 11. And if you look back there, there's, I think, uh, there's probably a dozen or so n- names that are given at the beginning. And then he goes on and uh he says, and what shall I tell you more? For the time would fail to tell me of Gideon, and he names another number of heroes from the faith that uh, are exampled here for us. Now, when I think about this, this cloud of witnesses, it's It's not, you know, to begin with, I used to think it was just like they were kind of peering over the portals of heaven, watching me to see how I was doing. But I don't really think that that is what is intended here. They're not watching us to see our performance. And the idea is that uh, they are examples, not onlookers, not that we are trying to uh, perform so that they're not disappointed, but they are examples. They have proved by their life that the life of faith is the only life to live. The same God who was their God is our God. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the God of yesterday is also the God of today. And he is the God of tomorrow. They are witnessing to us that regardless of what we are faced with, and when you look at chapter 11, there are so many examples, so many uh, difficulties, trials, that these people went through some that suffered unto death but they are witnessing to us that regardless of what we are faced with god will see us through whatever opposition that we face god will see us through and it's amazing, as you look at those people, some of them, uh, like if you look at the life of Joseph, you know, talk about a family that was uh, uh, not uh, working well together, shall we say. You know, this, is a, this can be an example to us in the life of Joseph, how that he depended on the Lord He served God. He was faithful. And the difference that he made not only in the lives of his family when they came down to Egypt and he was the prime minister of Egypt, but even to us today. So he was just one name that is there. But we have also... Uh, present day heroes of faith, as I was reading this, I thought, you know this chapter could continue on right up to today, because I am sure that there is there is uh, people in your lives that you know right now or you have known in your lifetime that have encouraged and inspired you in your walk with the Lord. I could num- I could name a number of them right now that have made a tremendous difference in my life. They have spoken into my life. They have encouraged me to walk with the Lord and you also are making a difference. You have the opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. You can be a hero of faith in someone else's life. That when they they see the example and the life that you have lived in serving God, that they take heart and they are encouraged in their walk with the Lord to know that, you know, if, if this person can do it, so can I. If this person can trust the Lord through that circumstance or that situation that they were in, you know, I can do that too. Whether it's fathers or mothers or grandparents or friends or someone that we, uh, as I was thinking about this, you know, there was many people that came into my mind that have made a difference in my life, and it was because they were faithful to God. They had their focus upon the Lord. We have opportunities to build one another up, and that is one of the great blessings of being in a church family. When we come together, it is it is uh, important because we need to see, we need to experience the the fellowship and the faith that is portrayed through other people's lives. Even at this time, you know, it is so good that we can come together. And worship the Lord together, and also to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. In second Corinthians 1: four it says, "Praise be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves." have received from God. We have been comforted. We have been encouraged. And it says, so then we comfort, we encourage one another with the same comfort and encouragement that we have received. We're to spread it around. It's the good news that we spread around And this is part of the reason that the family of God is so important, that we uh, bless one another, that we are strengthening one another. We are uh, looking at their example. And uh, we do it helps us to know that we do not struggle alone. every person that 's sitting here, I have no doubt that you are faced with challenges of some kind and it's good to know that we're not alone we 're not alone, whether there's uh family issues whether there's uh Oh, physical issues, spiritual issues, we do not struggle alone, and we're not the first to struggle with problems. Others have run the race, and they have won. And their witness stirs us to run and to win also. So going on in this verse in in Hebrews, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. Now that word lay aside, it's like when you go home and you throw your jacket off onto the chair or hang it up, whatever. You're laying it aside. It's putting it aside to throw off like a garment. And what are we throwing off? we're throwing off hindrances for the first the first one it mentions is hindrances and hindrances are not necessarily bad in themselves it could be something perfectly innocent and harmless however it weighs us down it diverts our attention it saps our energy It dampens our enthusiasm for the things of God. We may not be making a choice between what is bad or good, but really between what is better and best. It talks here about running a race. Let us run the race. And I have never yet seen a marathon runner with a pack sack on their bag of of weights just for the fun of it. Anything that they brought to the beginning of the race, they lay it down because they don't want to have something hindering them in this race. It's not that a pack sack is a bad thing, but it's a hindrance at this time for what they are doing. And there may be hindrances in our lives that may be good things, but they are hindering us, keeping us from what is the best, weighs us down, diverts our attention. So we throw off hindrances, and also it says the sin that easily besets us. And when it mentions besetting us, it's like entangling our feet. Entangling our feet. Something that is bad that entangles our feet. Something that is a sin. The unnecessary, the weight is the unnecessary things. The sin is the unrighteous things. Did you get that? When we talked about the hindrances, we throw off the weight, is the unnecessary things. And the sin, we throw off the sin. It is the unrighteous things. And the enemy of our soul comes to us with endless ways to entangle us, to derail us, to keep us from running the Christian life of faith well. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy So we run also with perseverance. Perseverance is the act of sticking to a purpose or an aim, never giving up what one has set out to do. To run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. We're not Christians, we're not in a hundred meter sprint. We are actually in a marathon. We're in for the long haul. I'm in for the long haul. Anybody else in for the long haul? (laughs) Yes, we're in for the long haul. And then there is weariness. Weariness may come from the difficulties of the course. The path is not always through green pastures and still waters. Sorry to disappoint anyone that thought it was. It's something like uh, I was doing some marriage counseling, and I said, you know, it's a myth that once you're married, you're just going to float on a cloud for the rest of your life. I said, there are difficulties that will be faced. That's, That's for sure. So uh, there is difficulties in the race of life. It's not always through green pastures. Now, let me assure you that sometimes it is. There are wonderful times, beautiful times in our life, but often it is bleak, rugged, and mountainous. We had... uh, been listening to a uh, story on uh, TV and it was in regards to a marathon that was being run and there was a, I believe he was a reporter but he had trained, he had really uh, gone through arduous training to be ready for this marathon. He was going to run in this marathon. And uh, so, as they are preparing, he noticed this one older lady there that was preparing to run as well. And he thought to himself, now, why would she be doing this? And so the race started, off they went. And uh, it was a tough race. And this young man who was in shape, who had trained, he had got probably to the halfway point, and he just said, I can't do this anymore. So he quit, went out of the race. And so at the, the next rest stop, of course, he is, I believe that he was kind of following the race with a vehicle. But anyway, at the next rest stop, he noticed this woman coming in, and she was she was limping and she was pretty upset. She had apparently torn uh, torn a, a muscle or a tendon in her leg, and she was in a lot of pain. But uh, looking around, she saw an old T-shirt laying there. She tore it into strips. She bound up her leg, and lo and behold. When he went to the finishing line, here was this woman finishing the race, go- enduring this pain, extreme pain, but she actually finished the race, and uh, he had nothing more to say. But it was very difficult. For her, but she had focused on finishing the race. That was her focus, reaching the finishing line regardless of the discomfort. So we have things that can hinder us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience or perseverance the race that is set before us. Looking, then the next verse says, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So my third point is looking on to Jesus. We stumble when we look away from him and at the circumstances surrounding us and i would just like to turn to matthew chapter 14 matthew chapter 14 this is when jesus came walking on the water and we have this little story this uh example matthew 14 And verses 28 to 31, I'd like to read this. And Peter, so, uh, I'll read verse 27 as well. But straightway, Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. You see, Peter had begun to walk on the water, but there was a distraction. What was the distraction? It says he saw the wind and the waves, or the result of the wind. He saw the waves. Everything was boisterous around him. And fear and panic set into Peter's heart. And he began to sink. Distractions. There's all kinds of distractions from keeping our eyes on Jesus. What is it that they, that is now against the law for you to do while you are driving because it's a distraction? Texting, sending whatever on your cell phones, uh, it's a distraction. It is dangerous because in that split second that you are distracted, anything can happen. And so what I want to say to you today is keep... We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. There are all kinds of events, circumstances, things that happen that that cause us to lose that focus. We look away from the goal. We look away. And we're distracted. And we become afraid, just like Peter. He saw the waves and the winds were blowing. And, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? I'm out here standing on the water, walking in the water. And all of a sudden, he started to sink because he he lost his focus. He took his eyes off of Jesus. There's just a... a uh, a little story I'd like to share with you about a girl that was in some finals of a competition in uh, in a ball- playing ball. And uh, it was a pretty important competition uh, or playoffs, I guess you would say. And they were right at the very end of the ninth inning and uh, She hit the ball out of the park. And the, the, oh, the, it was nothing to nothing at that point. The score was nothing to nothing. And she hit the ball out of the park. So as she's running around the the bases, and as she got, as she rounded third base, heading for home, she began to think, of celebrating, how they were going to celebrate with her friends and, you know, wasn't this so great that they had won this tournament and she didn't touch home place. And so someone on the other team quietly went to the referee or whatever and informed them that this girl hadn't touched home base. So the run was discounted. They went into overtime, and wouldn't you know it, the other team scored a goal. They lost their their competition in these playoffs simply because she had not kept her focus on the goal. She had to touch home base, and she didn't do it. Her distraction in thinking about you know how we're going to celebrate winning this these playoffs caused them to actually lose. So it tells us that Jesus went to the cross back here in Hebrews. Jesus went to the cross. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross? Jesus didn't lose sight of his goal, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He did not lose sight of his goal, went to the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, for the joy. Of obtaining the prize set before him, which was our redemption, paying the price for us. He did not sway from his his goal, but he kept his eyes on what that goal was. On the cross, he said, It is finished. Near the end of Paul's life, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let us run the race. Let us not give up. In June of 1955, Winston Churchill, near the end of his life, was asked to deliver the commencement address of a university in Britain. Although he was weak at the time, he came to the podium. After standing there for a few moments, He lifted his head and the voice that years before had called Britain back from the brink of destruction spoke publicly for the last time. Though he only spoke nine words, they still ring in the memory of those that heard them. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. So today... Turn your eyes on Jesus, never give up, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I'd just like to leave you with three simple little thoughts, six words. Start well, run well, end well. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to walk with you and to know that you are always by our side. Help us to focus upon you, not to be distracted, not to be hindered, not to be... uh, uh, looking aside for anything but to keep our eyes upon you and even in these times O lord when it is so easy to become fearful and afraid I pray for your people today that they will know the peace that comes from walking with you and trusting you help them to focus upon you bless them this day and we thank you lord that your your face does shine upon us your presence does go with us be with your people this day in jesus name amen bless you have a wonderful week